0: It's time for episode 144 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and our special guest is Larry Hamskin, the broadcasting voice of the University of Dayton Flyers and the host of Miami Valley's Morning News on WHIO Radio. We're talking Flyers, Flyers, Flyers in this high-flying episode of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and northern Kentucky, from eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between. This is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the Lee slash podcasts to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. This is episode 144, and I'm very happy to have aboard Larry Hanskin. You might know Larry from the Dayton Flyers or WHIO Radio. Larry, good morning, and it's a pleasure to have you aboard.
1: Good morning, uh, Lee. It's good to be speaking with you.
0: So, Larry, let's begin. Where are you originally from?
1: Uh, originally from Columbus. Uh, went to Northland High School, graduated from there in 1975, and then went up to Bowling Green State University, graduated from there in 1979.
0: So how did you wind up from Columbus and Bowling Green to down here in Dayton, Ohio?
1: Well, initially, um, I, I was working at a radio station uh, in Newark, Ohio, part-time. Uh, moved back in with my parents and was working full time at a sporting goods store and just working Sunday mornings at a at a Newark radio station. You know, obviously trying to find full time work, and I uh, was kind of frustrated. And and so um, someone came in the sporting goods store and said, "Hey, you know, I I help out with uh, sports at this Johnstown radio station, which is just northeast of Columbus, and uh, they're probably looking for someone." And uh, so. He gave me the guy's number, and I called him up, and and he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. So uh, I turned in my notice at, at Brian, and the guy there said, well, wow, I didn't know you were interested in doing stuff like that. He goes, I went to college with a guy at OU who uh, – uh, rather, he was in, this was in Newark. He, he works – his college buddy lives in Bryan, and um, he goes, it seems like they do a lot of stuff. You ought to give him a call. So I was getting ready uh, to head out the door um, for my training at the uh, radio station at Johnstown and on a whim, I I gave the call up to Brian and it just so happened that the program director and the general manager were sitting down, having a meeting and saying, man, we're in a bind. We need to find someone that can, you know, do an air shift and can also do some sports and, and then, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, you know, have a couple of sales accounts and just need, you know, someone that can do a lot of things. And a phone rang and it was me. So they, they said, uh, we'd love to talk to you. How soon can you be here? I go, I'll jump in the car now. So I called the Johnstown station. I actually quit a job before I even began it and uh, uh, got, you know, got the job in Bryan and was there for about, uh, about a year and four months. And, was trying to, you know, move up into a larger market and um, you know, saw the WHIO was a, you know, ratings giant uh in Dayton and um, you know, kind of made a, a paint a best of myself and got hired for an overnight shift. Um, you know, making $175 a week and and uh at, well they offered me one seventy five. I held out for two fifteen because mm-hmm. that's what I was making in Bryan and I said, come on, I, I can't go backwards. And, um, yeah, I did that for gosh, uh, really all of a month. And then, uh, part of my job was to wake up the guy who was the morning show producer. And after a while, I mean, it would take several calls to do that. And after a while, the management said, well, we have the guy that's waking him up, take over that job. I did that. And then I started doing the sports casts. and then uh, a year later, um, had the opportunity uh, to start calling the flyers games but it wasn't as simple as that
0: so tell me how did you wind up as the voice of the flyers and what was your first season like
1: well first season was the 82 83 season um and in and it would have been august of 82 uh, chris harris who had played at date and it worked uh, alongside bucky for 10 years uh was relocating uh to seattle uh in the insurance business and so that created an opening and I raised my hand and said, well, I'd really love to do this. And, uh, my boss at the time, Ron Kempf, uh, said, yeah, I think you'd do a good job. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, Tom Frerichs, who was the athletic director at the time, just said, no way, <laughs> no way. We're going to hand the keys to the car over to, uh, uh, to, to some kid who's, you know, got very, very little experience. So, um, I, You know, they they were all set to go with Marty Brenneman um, as 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 their uh, as their their broadcast uh, voice. Um, But Marty just couldn't he just couldn't commit because of Red Spring training obligations. So they came back to me. They said, "Okay, well, let's see what you sound like. And so uh, Bucky and I went into what was then a storage room what's now part of the you know and i guess it's a luxury box <laughs> um at, at the arena and um w- during the, the 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 preseason practices and this is october now um you know while the team was scrimmaging if they would scrimmage then we would do uh, a fake play-by-play of, of of what we saw you know out there out there on the floor and um Turned in the tape to Mr. Frerichs and he said, okay, I'd like to hear one more though. And so we did another and he said, okay, kid, you got it. And, um, to, to his credit, um, you know, as, as much trepidation as he had about me doing it, I, I don't think I ever had a bigger supporter thereafter. Uh, and he he would give me good critical, uh, feedback because he would, And even a home game, he would not be in the seating bowl. He would sit up in that same dusty storeroom. And while he was watching the game, he was listening to the broadcast and he'd have a big uh, legal pad and he would be constantly making notes. And, you know, he was a guy that really hit home to me about, you know, scoring time, scoring time. Um, You know, that's the most important thing, it's the next most important thing, and it's the third most important thing, you know, in a broadcast. You know, anything else you have to say is really superfluous.
0: I never knew that about Marty Brenneman. He's one of my favorite baseball broadcasters, and I know he did some college basketball, but I never knew he was in line to do UD.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, fortunately, he. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad he said no.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, what's changed from the eighty-two, eighty-three UD Season 2 today in terms of broadcasting, the campus, your job? What's all changed?
1: Well, I mean, the things that have changed um, uh, would be just the, um, you know, the technical aspects of which you got on the air. Uh, and at that time, you know, we were we relied, you know, we, we relied strictly upon you know a telephone line and we travel with an engineer and and uh it was a great guy named dick johnson and then ron Geyer followed him and these guys were just absolute wizards of fighting through the vagaries of of telephone companies at the time and and being able to always get our broadcast on the air without fail uh so that kind of jumps out at you i mean because now it, it's um you know we, we just use ethernet connection we, we use an internet connection and it's a. Uh, you know, it's proven to be very reliable and uh, and almost idiot-proof because we no longer travel as an engineer. So, so I have to do that. Um, you know, obviously, the travel is uh, has become. Uh, you know, the, the, this is a Dayton team now. that the, the charters everywhere. The only time they take a commercial flight is you know to go to some place like Maui. Um, uh, took a commercial flight out to. No, we didn't. I think, you know, we chartered out to Arizona even. So um, it's, you know, it, it's a, um, um, you know, a, a high, high, it was high end travel back then when I first started in the 80s. I mean, well, we always stayed at very nice hotels, but, you know, it was strictly commercial flights. And so, you know, if you played a game in Chicago on a Saturday night, you know, you weren't going to fly out until Sunday afternoon. So, um, you know, that's a big change. And then, obviously, you know, I, I started off, you know, the first uh, couple seasons I broadcast, there was no shot clock. There was no three-point line. Um, think of how those have changed the game of college basketball. But, um, I don't know, like me and, you know, coaches, players, fans, everyone, we've all adapted to it. And I think sometimes you have to sit back and, and really look back to think about how much change has actually, actually happened.
0: And you mentioned no – shot clock or three-point line either and back then there was that tartan floor as well which had to be removed for the newest renovation ud arena which yeah i always, I always love seeing those pictures when it's time for first four and seeing that floor just underneath and the history on that
1: well if if, if coach Donaher called out bama that meant that they were essentially going to go to ud's version of a uh, Four corners, Dean Smith type of offense at North Carolina. You know and they would just hold the ball. You know if you had a lead, you know just hold the ball. You didn't have to take a shot. You you could hold it for two, three, four minutes if you wanted.
0: There's been a lot of great games, a lot of great players and coaches that went through UD in your time. Who are some of your favorites that you've gotten to work with?
1: Well, you know, um, I I think I got spoiled right away in that uh, the second uh, season. Uh, that I worked was the 83-84 season where uh, they made that Elite Eight run uh, beating LSU, Oklahoma, Washington and and then falling out at Pauley Pavilion in the West Coast uh, Regional Finals to uh, eventual national champion Georgetown. You had Roosevelt Chapman, the all-time leading scorer uh, in in UD history on that team and you had Hall of Fame players like Ed Young and, and Damon Goodwin on that team and Anthony Grant was a freshman that barely saw the floor that year. So, you know, that, that, that team, um, you know, collectively another hall of famer on that team was Cedric Tony. Um, Cedric was one of my all time favorite competitors. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you know, you move forward and, you know, a guy like Miguel Knight was so talented in his senior year had about as good a year as any individuals had for, for, for a season as a flyer. Um, Ryan Perriman, pound for per pound, the best rebounder I've ever seen. Um, you know, great, com- a great competitor as well. Brian Roberts, uh, maybe the best uh, shooter slash scorer um, that I've seen. I'll look at the, you know, the, uh, Devin Oliver, um, most charismatic player. Um, and, and and you go to the uh, the team that went to four straight NCAA tournaments, uh, that trio of Scucci Smith, uh, Kyle Davis, and Kendall Pollard, I almost treat them as one individual because I, I don't think you could separate them from each other because they, they had such a collective impact. And then, oh, my gosh, maybe they saved the best for last. And You know, Obi Toppin, I, I, said, I said to Coach Grant, I said, I think Obi might be more popular than Roosevelt. And he wasn't ready to concede that, but uh, I mean, consensus Player of the Year in the nation just absolutely put on a show, and you got you know, you know, he's he's jam, and then you got peanut butter, uh, first team All Conference guard and Jalen Crutcher. You know, I don't have to comb through my memory banks to find great players in Flyer history. All I got to do is think back about last season.
0: And you mentioned Obi, and you mentioned Jalen Crutcher too, because the NBA draft is right around the corner, and it's looking like those flyers might be drafted. And what's your thoughts?
1: Well, I, I, I think um, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Jalen is doing what Obi did last year—that is, test the waters um, to get feedback. And unfortunately, he's not going to have the opportunity to go work out in front of teams and get that hands-on type of thing that that Obi was able to get and then you know bring that back um to you know have the incredible year he had this year so um I, I fully uh, I, I would be shocked if Jalen uh, kept his name in and that he did not come back for his senior year. Obi it's not a question of if it's just you know how high is he going to go and, and I think he'll be a lottery
0: pick. I think so too I mean how electric were those dunks and the Play of Obi Toppin or this this squad? How special was this season to UD fans? Well,
1: they they just they had such joy in in each other's success, and that is something that I will remember them for um, more than anything. It was was the joy uh, with which they played the game, and and the fact that they really, really, really. Um, just you know, it, it enjoyed the, the heck out of each other's success. It was, you know, the, the, they would share the ball so well, um, and it was not, you know, it was genuine. It, it was not a uh, nothing contrived. It, it was their DNA. Um, you know, I, I think at times they they were surprised that people commented how unselfish they were because to them, that's just what they did. You know, they're like, "Well, how else would I play?" And, and that was really cool. And
0: it's just great to see Dayton have that much success and just two overtime losses on the season to Colorado and Kansas on neutral courts and run rampant through the A10. I mean, that's that's a very special flyer team. But we got to see.
1: Yeah, and and you know the A10 um, had some pretty. I mean there was some solid competition there i think uh that if all is said and done come selection sunday had there been a selection sunday um i i think we would have seen uh, at least three teams in uh, I, th- I think st louis was a ncaa caliber tournament team uh i think richmond was obviously the dayton flyers were and uh, rhode island maybe could have uh, stolen uh, the automatic but even their at-large resume wasn't too bad and, you know what? I, I you know, uh, you, you know these teams all had quote uh, losses that hurt their NCA stock. Well, they were to the Dayton Flyers. You know, St. Louis loses twice to Dayton. What would their record look like? Same for Rhode Island. You know, Richmond had a phenomenal year. They get beat at home by Dayton. I don't think that would have been held against them.
0: No, I mean that's what would that be now? The Quad One loss. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the heartbreak of the ending cuz the Flyers not only didn't get a taste of March Madness, but there was no A10 tournament. How much do you think that the coronavirus really hurt the fans around here?
1: Well, I, you know, it, it's it's going to leave players, coaches, fans, everyone um wondering what if. Um you know, just because it, it, you know, there was a sense of uh, there was a lack of closure, if you will, after all was said and done, and um, you know, but but at the same time, uh, I think it was good that um, the final regular season game, um, it, it was such a it was such a a, a celebration. It was such a a, a celebration. Because, um, you know, they were able to cut down the nets and, 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 and all that, you know, all that. And, you know, the seniors spoke and Coach Grant uh, spoke. And after game day had been there, uh, it, it really had a, um, I don't know, it, it, it was a championship celebration. So I'm very, 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 very glad that happened.
0: You mentioned earlier that you got to see Anthony Grant play with the Flyers how special is it to you and Flyer fans that a former player is now leading the team as the head coach
1: well I think I think what what it, it what it means is that I think that obviously uh, not that any other coach could not um you know sell uh the uh, attributes of the University of Dayton uh but obviously Anthony can speak with the uh, a great deal of authority uh, on that subject, you know, having uh, you know having having played here, having having seen what it what you know what it what it did for his life, you know that uh, he was able to, you know, be who he is uh, thanks to the you know the lessons that he he learned uh, at the University of Dayton.
0: Now well, let's talk about someone that just got drafted from basketball to football, Adam Troutman got drafted by the new orleans saints in the third round this past weekend what are your thoughts about this
1: well i you know i i knew you know i knew his draft stock uh, i knew he was a, a draftable player last year uh he, he started to get some attention um initially because some scouts were coming around to see punter uh punter sean smith and obviously adam had the size okay and so you know, th- there's been some great Dayton football players through the years, but oftentimes their size, the lack thereof, or their speed, the lack thereof, they just don't translate to the next level. Uh, but Adam didn't have that obstacle. He had the size. I mean, he looked like an NFL tight end. And then once the scouts came around and, and looked at him uh, and saw the way in which, you know, he, you know, he, just, he just caught everything. And um, you know the way he practiced, you know what kind of teammate he was. I mean, he was the uh, first time maybe in the history of Dayton football he was a unanimous team captain. I mean, every single player voted for him. Um, and, and I can remember when he was uh, a redshirt freshman and was scout team player of the year at the end of that year. Uh, Coach Chamberlain said to me, "Hey, you got to see this tight end we got. It was on scout team last year. I mean, he catches everything." So I I really made it a point to watch him in, in practice in August. And what impressed me more was at the end of drills, they'd run sprints and he won every sprint. Not because he was the fastest guy. I mean, he had plenty of speed, but he just ran hard every time. And it wasn't that phony hustle type stuff. It was just that's how that's the speed at which he operated. He had only one way to go. And I think that's what made him a great player because he made himself a great player.
0: He also had a very great redshirt senior year especially with the four touchdowns against the D- jacksonville dolphins i mean tremendous player and i think he'll do some great things with new orleans
1: oh a- absolutely i mean they are getting you know I, I did an interview with a new orleans radio station um last uh, over the weekend and a guy said do you think that they'll use him as a a receiver or just a blocker. I say, well, if they don't throw him the ball, they're crazy, <laughs> you know, because he's going to catch it. He's going to make plays.
0: I mean, that is a very talented offensive scheme that Drew Brees and the Saints have. But, yeah, if Troutman doesn't get his fair shake on things, I don't know what Sean Payton's thinking down there. But yeah, how special is it, since Dayton football is non-scholarship, how special is it to have Troutman go – in the third round
1: well i i think it's a you know i think it's a validation um what it is is it's it's a validation for the program and and for the league for the pfl you know it's it's a way of saying you know hey you, you know you can you know you can play at the next level here no, you can do that. There, there's, you know, there is a path to the NFL um, through the PFL through a program like the University of Dayton. And granted, most most guys are not. Most guys are not. Uh, the guys that are going to be drafted are going to be episodic. But it's not out of the question.
0: Let's talk about the 2019 Flyer football season. What was your take on it?
1: Well, they could score points, just couldn't stop anyone. Um, you know, just, in, and, I think that that's kind of, a, uh, in the, that, that that's the nature of the game these days. Um, offenses are just so, uh, far ahead of defenses with the spread and everything that it really is hard to, um, you know, <laughs> to, to slow someone down. <coughs> and then, you know, then you get, you know, you, you have weapons out there that, uh, you know, if you got if you got an Adam Trauman, you know, look what look what the Flyers were able to do uh, with that type of uh, with that type of arsenal. But defensively, they struggled. They they really did. They, you know, they led the nation in scoring. You know, they led the nation in scoring, but but um, you know, uh, could not you know could not stop people, and that's uh, what ultimately uh, cost them a chance of uh, having a PFL championship and and getting a playoff berth
0: just to think you lead the nation in offense if you can stop more i mean that that could be really good season for ud
1: yeah i mean and it it was uh i mean that was tough that was really really tough that um you know to you know and, and, and it was never one thing sometimes it would be you know just not you know they would give up too many big plays sometimes they'd have a bad tackling game um a lot of times they just had guys just blow assignments that just absolutely you know weren't where they were supposed to be and granted it it was a it was a young team, and so that you know that that can that can account for some of it, you know that you know they weren't real um, experienced as far as you know uh, playing a lot of a lot of college football yet. But at the same time, you know, at some point in time, you got to get it done.
0: Now, you started calling football a couple of years after your first year of men's basketball, but still a lot of great football throughout, great history. And oh yeah, I believe Mike Kelly was head coach back then. Yeah,
1: yeah. I uh, my first football season was 1988, so uh, this just just wrapped up my 32nd and. Um, you know there again i i my, my timing is, is is really good my second year of football only when a national championship a division three national championship go down to uh you know, phoenix city alabama beat union in the stag bowl and then uh you know some some great moments um after leaving division three and going to fcs and, and being in the pfl um yeah, there, there there's some games that I can recall. I mean, uh, there was a game in 1996 out in San Diego, season finale to wrap up year eleven. And and I still to this day that that still may be the best football game I've ever seen. I mean, it was. I think there was probably five scoring plays between the two teams of over 50 yards, and and these weren't so much blown assignment uh, plays as much as just guys making unbelievable plays on on both sides of the ball and um you know it, it went down to the wire and and uh, it, it was just a, a great uh, great end to that season to finish up uh,
0: 11-0 I mentioned uh, Mike Kelly now he's your color commentator since your time at UD you've worked with some knowledgeable broadcasters uh, who's been some of your favorites and some of your favorite moments with them
1: well, I mean, I think everyone brought something different to the table. You know, the different guys, uh, um, you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor John Houston worked several years for me. In fact, I mentioned that San Diego game. You know, he was alongside for that one uh, in 1996. And uh, Jeff Miller, another uh, former uh, flyer, um, who was, was alongside me for several years. And, and uh, you know, everyone brings something different to the table. And, uh, you know, the thing is with, with Mike Kelly, I, I knew he was going to be extremely prepared, extremely prepared. And um, I, I just, you know, but what I was not prepared for was, I mean, this this uh, animated, excited, hot diggity dog guy in, in the booth. I, I just never saw that coming, never saw that coming. And uh, it's it's been really enjoyable to see. Uh, that aspect of him come out
0: it's two different personalities because when he's uh, working other sports at UD, he's just calm cool collected but when you hear him on radio it's like you mentioned just so animated but very knowledgeable
1: yeah yeah oh yeah i mean you know there's you know um you know there's nothing lost in the translation certainly
0: and for men's basketball you had bucky bachorn for the longest time which by the way is bucky okay
1: yeah, yeah, he's he's good. Um, he's, he's already talking about next year. You know, That's he just uh, had that back issue uh, during the season, and it really uh, kind of threw him for a loop.
0: That's good. I, I I missed him throughout the year, but I think the people that filled in for him did a really nice job, like Brooks Hall. He was the one that I got to listen to the most, and I think he does a nice job.
1: Yeah, I mean, and there again, I, I, I really enjoyed having – the variety, because I think that that um, that is a benefit to the fans that they get, um, you know, varied, um, you know, perspectives. You know, uh, Brooks has that player's perspective, um, and is 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 really thinks like a player. Um, Keith has a player's perspective, but kind of more of an arms distance. You know, having spent a lot of time overseas playing and knowing what it takes to play at the next level, you know he's he's able to not so much uh, identify directly with the players. I mean, he's been there, done that. But I think you know he's got a, a you know a different a different vantage point. And then uh, Josh Pastorino not only played at Dayton, but had, you know he also coached, and 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 he really brings that coach's perspective. So I think it's a I think it's a good thing for good thing for the listeners to, to have them all
0: there's a lot of coaches and former players on there giving their you know their view and it really does add to it it's something that you know you might not look at or hear but it's it's fantastic
1: yeah i, I think we're i think we're blessed i think we're, we're blessed to have that and um really really glad that each each guy is able to uh to to contribute
0: Now, for football, the Flyers are in the Pioneer Football League and men's basketball and almost every other sport, the Atlantic 10. What's some of your favorite trips and least favorite trips you've gotten to have over your career?
1: Well, you know, it's, you know, we always joke about going to St. Bonaventure. And and the bad part about that is is getting there. Um, And at one point in time, the, the facilities, you know, the accommodations, like we stayed at this old motel. I can remember one of the first trips ever there. And to wake up in the morning and, and to find uh, an inch of snow in your room um, was, you know, to have to walk barefoot through snow to get to your bathroom was a little uh, – um, uh, put you know, that put things off a little bit. But then once you get to the game itself, I mean, um, the O'Reilly Center, they the say Bonaventure is a great game venue. Oh, that's, just, that's super – Now you can go to Philadelphia and have, you know, amazing meals and all that kind of stuff. But then you go to the Tom Gola Arena uh, Tire uh, Center and hair care salon and, and, you know, you're like, is this real, is this really a college basketball venue? Um, You know, so I, I, I tend to lead towards, I guess, for everything involved, game day atmosphere, uh, easy place to work. I mean, you don't have any technical issues or, or people that are, you know, being a pain. Um, I, I say the best is St. Louis because I mean, it's a, it's an easy trip to get there. There's a couple restaurants that uh, we've frequented through the years where they know us. And then, um, you know, they've, they've got maybe the second best arena in the league and good people. And it's uh you know, it's a great atmosphere. I mean, you know, they don't like Dayton and, but, that's what you want. I mean, you want to go someplace where, you know, where you feel like you're playing, you're part of something that matters. And, and that's really what it all boils down to. Is you want to, you know, whether you're a player or a coach or a broadcaster, you want to feel like what you're doing actually matters.
0: And for football, you've got some pretty close opponents. Indianapolis, uh, Valparaiso, Indiana is not too far. And then randomly, San Diego, California. I mean, those got to be some big trips in the Pioneer.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, obviously that's that's a great opportunity, and it's a, a recruiting tool um, that, you know, I think the coaches use well, because, you know, it, it really is uh, a difference between you can be a preferred walk-on in the MAC or you can come play uh, at Dayton. You can ride buses to Muncie, Indiana, and Ypsilanti, Michigan, and in Akron, Ohio, or you know you you can go to san diego um florida uh charleston- uh North Carolina or Poughkeepsie new York and you know it's and then and, and I talk to the guys and it's it's something that yeah it it matters to them
0: What's your thoughts about Jacksonville closing down their football program
1: um I was shocked um but then again they've you know, I, in some ways, they've not been a great league member from the word go from an institutional standpoint. They're just not, you know, the snapshot of the institution doesn't look like a a, a Pioneer Football League team. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it, it, it does make sense. Um, but, you know, I, nevertheless, I still was surprised because it looked like they were trying to take things in a different direction and one that would have been a little bit more in line with uh, PFL standards if you will
0: I listen to the games and I always hear that Jacksonville is well coached and well disciplined and when I saw the news I was like wow that's that's a little bit sad
1: yeah because like I say they, they, they had been kind of a renegade program for a while but They had, I thought, you know, moved in the right direction. They were, you know, doing the right things.
0: Now, outside UD and WHIO, what else have you done in your broadcasting career?
1: Well, um, outside of WHIO, um, you know, which which I host the morning show and have for since two thousand three, and had had done a lot of other things before that. Um, I, I did some stuff for the Dayton Dragons early on. Uh, on, on their on their cable broadcasts on what is now spectrum but was I think Time Warner at the time so yeah i I've, i I've, I've just done those types of things uh, um yeah just but primarily it's been uh, you know and it is good because i you know i think it's fun to do baseball to say yeah i got a chance to do some baseball once and, you know never done hockey I've never done hockey i've done a lot of other sports through the years including soccer and volleyball but never done hockey
0: hockey is a blast it's one of my favorite sports to broadcast and i remember a couple seasons ago you got to broadcast the ud baseball game and that leads me to my next question have you broadcasted any other sports for ud outside men's basketball or football
1: um yeah i did but i just did a few baseball games um did a uh did some men's and women's soccer uh, again for the cable broadcast. So back in this would have been, oh gosh. Uh ninety six, yeah. It would have been um leading into the ninety-six, yeah, it would have been in the fall of ninety six. Um um I did the A ten um soccer um tournament that was at Bojan Field. And I did that, and it was on the local cable here, but it was also on uh, Madison Square Garden Network, Yes New York, uh New England Sports Network, Comcast Philadelphia, and so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and and I just I just wrote Bill Glisson, who was a women's uh, coach at UD for many years. He was the color guy, and I... I rode him. You know, I mean, he carried me so much. I think he knew my weight down to the ounce by the end of that tournament.
0: <laughs> and for baseball, I mean, Jason King in his third year at the helm. I mean, Flyer baseball is looking dangerous.
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, and and – that that that's a that's a tough battle. I don't think I don't think fans realize how how hard it is. Uh, in college baseball, if you are not in a Sun Belt area, or in the Southwest, or or you know, I mean, just just because of the the nature of the season and not being able to get outdoors, and um, and then you know it, it that then in turn it uh, it affects your recruiting footprint, where you know you're, you're not able to you know be able to go out and evaluate and look at talent that's being able to play almost all year round so I, I i tip my hat to the successes of teams above the mason dixon line uh, when they have success not just within their leagues but you know a success that can translate to making a an impact nationally i i tip my hat to them
0: it's not easy especially you know since winter likes to stay until about mid-april most seasons yeah but Luckily, I was able to catch three games, and that Flyer team looked really, really good. It was just a shame that that was it. Bam. Just the one home series against Northern Kentucky, and that's all she wrote for baseball. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the coronavirus, because that is an important issue affecting us worldwide. How has it affected you and your jobs?
1: Well, um obviously it uh you know I had planned on being you know I had told people I said uh, you know I can't make any commitments to any outside uh events or what have you until uh after uh, the 1st of April because I plan on being busy with the NCA tournament. Well, <laughs> I didn't have that, but then again, there wasn't anything else, uh, uh, to commit to anyway. So yeah, I mean it, for me, it's just, it, it's, it's, it was going from 60 to zero. Um, there was no, uh, easing tapping the brakes. It was just, uh, a skid start, a skid stop. And it's just been like that since. So, um, obviously in, you know, being a part of a news program each day, you know, um, like everyone else, I want distractions from this because not, I, you know I can't shut it off, folks. I can't just say, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to ignore the whole thing and not think about it, and and not uh, and not read about it and not study it." I, I can't do that. It's it's my job to to immerse myself in it. And um, to be honest with you, though, it gets to you sometimes. It really does.
0: I mean, your job is to inform the people what's happening, and it's. There's not been a lot or any good news to come with this.
1: Yeah, yet. 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 Yes. Yeah, there, 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 will be a, there will be an all-clear someday.
0: Here's hoping it's soon. But it wiped out the Atlantic 10 tournament completely. The women's tournament did get completed, which was nice. And it was nice to see the Flyers women's basketball team lift up the trophy on their home court. So that was really cool.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and it, it, so that, and then like I mentioned, the fact that the celebration for the uh, men's home finale uh, did offer some sort of a a closure and a celebration of a championship feel.
0: Larry, what are some of your favorite things about the local sports scene here in Dayton?
1: Well, I I think what I what I like about it is that, um, you know, it. it we really Dayton is autonomous. Uh, it is autonomous. Uh, now are there, are there Reds fans and Bengals fans in the Dayton area? Yes. Uh, and then there are, uh, to a large degree, large amount of Browns fans and to a smaller degree, some Indians fans, but, um, you know, we're not Cincinnati North. Um, this is a very, uh, autonomous, um, and in a very, uh, uh, parochial area and I love that about it in that um, you know Friday nights w- w- you know we're at high school football stadia you know that's that, that's what we do here and uh, I, I love that the fact that um, local sports have as high a profile um, as, as anything that would be happening at the, at the collegiate level and at the professional level nationally I mean you go to some yeah, you know, I, I can remember going to Philadelphia and getting my hair cut during the A-10 tournament. I'm in a barbershop. I'm getting my hair cut. And a guy says, where are you from? Dayton, Ohio. What brings you here? We were for the Atlantic 10 uh, tournament. He goes, what's that? What's that? Well, it's you with know, Leeds and Dayton's in along with LaSalle, St. Joe's. Really? Oh. I had no idea. Yeah. So... You know, most of the metropolitan areas are so consumed with professional sports that, uh, you know, like anything taking place collegiately or locally, they just don't, you know, it doesn't resonate.
0: There's a lot of everything around here. I mean, like you mentioned, high school football, that's Fridays. Then you got college football Saturdays and, you know, pro football the next day. There's a little bit of everything for everyone here in the sports well, scene.
1: Yeah, well, in 2004, um, there was a a, a a game in February. Dayton played St. Joe's, hosted St. Joe's, and um, had a horrible snowstorm that weekend. The Dayton Mall was shut down. The mall was closed. Uh, Flyers had a sellout crowd that Saturday night. Beat St. Joe's. You know, the next day everything is still shut down, completely snowbound. Okay, churches are closed. The uh, altar is playing Akron Saint Vincent Saint Mary with LeBron James, and CJ is going to play I believe uh, Cincinnati Princeton in a doubleheader at uh, at the arena. Well, uh, Princeton says they can't make it up; it's too snowy. Akron. St. Vincent, St. Mary's, they make it. And so it was Alter against uh, LeBron, his high school team, and again, a sellout crowd. And not just sold out tickets sold, I mean, butts in the seat, sold out on back to back nights when the area is supposedly completely shut down by snow. So that told me a lot about Dayton fans right there.
0: I mean, that's something that I always, you know, tip my hat to UD fans there. Probably some of the most loyal that. you can meet it's it's fantastic and when the malls and churches close you think everything's closed but nope it's still basketball time get get there
1: yeah i mean it's uh it's gonna take a lot more than just uh you know the only thing that can keep obviously the only thing that can keep fire fans away is uh, uh COVID 19
0: yeah it's, it's it's still such a shame and it's the first tournament since what the th- 30s or something like that, but it hasn't been played.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, not good.
0: You mentioned a lot of great things about the Dayton sports scene, but in your eyes, what would you like to see more out of Dayton sports and Dayton sports media or Dayton media in general?
1: Um, no, I, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think just, just to keep the focus where it needs to be, and that is, um. To focus on what is happening that is not going to get the attention of ESPN, um, you know that and that is you know what, what's happening with local athletes, local teams, um, the, the you know the local stories about you know the people uh, who are involved. I mean, you know, news organizations are, are quick to say, well, you know, we don't need to be doing any sports because sports fans can get all of that off of ESPN. Well, they can national stuff, but that's not the, you know, but that should not be the focus. You know, um, we don't need to, you know, I, I, if I want to know about the NFL draft, I'm probably not going to watch a local TV station. If I want to know about Adam Troutman's status, I will. Uh, and so that, you know, that's the difference. And so, um, yeah, you, you keep the focus local.
0: For those that are interested in joining the field, broadcasting, what advice and tips can you give?
1: Well, develop a brand. Uh, develop a brand. No one is going to, um, you know, no one's going to give you job security. No one is going to give you anything. Um, your your value to an employer or as a self-employed. freelancer, if you will, is, is that you've got to have a brand, you know, you, so, so focus on what is it you do that's unique? What is it that you do that makes you, um, someone that people want to pay attention to, to give up something that's very valuable and that is their time. And, you know, focus on that, really kind of hone, Your brand. Okay, what is it that I do? It could be that you just do everything. You're a jack of all trades. There's something to be said for that. It could be that, you know what? I am the best uh, BMX bicycle broadcaster in the nation, you know, and and focus on that, you know, and have your niche. But you got to have a brand. You have to have a brand uh, so that both an employer knows who you are and a listener, viewer, reader is going to know who you are.
0: I like that advice about, you know, building the brand, being professional with it too. I like that piece of advice. Larry, how can people follow your work on social media?
1: Um, At at Larry Hanskin on Twitter, uh, Larry Hanskin, WHIO on Facebook, and, um, you know, and then the old-fashioned way, 1290 AM and 95.7 FM.
0: I can hear you on the radio waves. Larry, thank you so much for your time today. It's, it's been a real honor having you aboard. Uh, any closing thoughts to wrap up this episode?
1: Um, just that there are brighter days ahead for all of us.
0: I like that closing thought. That's Larry Hanskin, and this is episode 144 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 145. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the slash podcasts. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee theleewmowen.com and at Sunday pod like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast and download the free flick chat app. Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowins mailbag questions. The closing theme is lights go down by Dan Hennig provided by the YouTube music library collection. This is Lee W. Malin. And I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.